0: If you're ready to get radical get going and make a difference in this world you're at the right place here's your host prolific writer world traveler people lover and mega nap taker Trisha Goyer.
1: Well, friends, today on Walk It Out, we're going to talk about real-life parenting. And I will have to say, like, for so many years, I just thought I was such an amazing mom. My kids were easy. They were turning out great. Our homeschool was going exceptionally well. And then God said, let me give you a wake-up call. (laughs) We adopted seven kids, and I learned how to calm the heck down, which is the title of the book of the week we're going to be talking about today. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest who is amazing. Melanie Dale is an author, speaker, podcaster and mother of three kids from three different continents. She and her husband live in the Atlanta area and she's a staff writer at Coffee and Crumbs. She's been on numerous radio shows and podcasts, even a panelist on a TV show. Hello, this is so cool. She's had articles in real simple the Bump, Working Mother, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That's a big name. And the Los Angeles Times. So welcome, Melanie. Hey, thanks for
2: having me, Trisha. We just call it the AJC down here in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I love
1: that. I'm like, that, what is that? I don't yeah. even know. Too long, too long. <laughs> okay, so it's so funny because my daughter is actually here from Europe. We're So we're recording this end of August. Um, I think it's going to be aired closer to the release date of your book. But my daughter's here visiting me. We've been in the house for way too long. My kids are going crazy. And she's here with her toddler. She finally got to fly over, come back to the States for a while. And my house is a disaster. And I turned to her and I said... Leslie, I used to be able to control life a little better when you guys were kids. She's like, mom, you had really high standards. I'm like, and look at this place now. She was like, yeah, yeah, you totally changed mom. But it goes so much with the title of your book, Melanie, Calm the Heck Down, How to Let Go Lighten Up About Parenting, because that has been my life after adopting kids. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. And then I just want to dive into this book.
2: Okay. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I, I, Yeah, writing a parenting book. This is my fourth book that I've written, which is so funny because when I talk to you, Tricia, like you've written like 1,572 books, I think at this yeah, point. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> and you've adopted like 500 people. And so yeah. I'm like, I have three kids and four books. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me on the show, you expert you. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I w- decided to write a parenting book, actually I didn't decide. My agent was like, you should write a parenting book and I'm like, I'm not a parenting expert, but I started thinking about it. And I was like, the one thing that I've, I've had to learn to do well is calm the heck down. Like that's, that's the one thing I feel like I've got going for me as a parent. Um, we did five years battling with infertility that just and... about destroyed me. Um, it was, it was a really hard journey with infertility. Then we were finally able to have our son Elliot through IVF and he's 13 now he's five, eight, his shoe size is size. 11. The, the man is an enormous and I, I think <laughs> back to this tiny four pound preemie that oh, I had. Wow. Uh, we had a really rocky pregnancy, high risk, a lot of complications at the end, but he and I, by the grace of God, made it through all of that. Um, and then i that was followed by a secondary infertility. So I went through more infertility on the other side of it, was not able to ever get pregnant again. And then we entered the adoption world um, and we adopted both of our girls. Uh, the first one we adopted is actually our youngest youngest child and we just celebrated nine years home with her and she's from Ethiopia and she is 10 years old, almost 11. And then, uh, then we, Screwed with birth order, and we adopted our oldest <laughs> child from Latvia, um, and she is a sophomore in high school now. Uh, she's almost sixteen, and um, and so yeah, so we've got three kids, three different continents, three very different roads to our family, and that whole process of of accruing our children took twelve years. Um, and really, after all of that, I was like, okay, that was hard, but now the fun begins. <laughs> now we just can enjoy life Surely, together, right? And but then after that, we went through a season of what I call label palooza, when I found myself uh, sitting mm-hmm. across from doctors and teachers and therapists and and just a whole cadre of of experts telling me labels for my various children and things that were happening um, and what we needed to do. And we entered into the world of therapy and just going through yep. all of, all of the things, you know. And so that's kind of been our road. And through all of that, I have had to learn to calm the heck down because uh, parenting looks a lot different than
1: how I first pictured it was going to look. It's so... Like, you are talking about my life the last... (laughs) The is 10, so 10 years after we started adopting. And really, so I've had both experiences because we had three kids that were almost adults. So Nathan was 16 when we adopted our newborn baby. And I'm like, oh, this parenting thing, like I'm rocking it. Like, totally, so good. <laughs> They're all so smart. They like started college early. Like they all love Jesus. Like we're doing good. And honestly, like maybe they got a, a Tylenol like twice a year. Wow. And then adopting kids... Um, And just a lot of the history of this trauma they've been through and, you know, reaction, reactive disorder and I mean, all this type of stuff. And even our one that we got as a newborn, um, like she's dyslexic and there's some learning challenges. I'm like, wait, what is all this? And label Palooza, Mm -hmm. like that is such a real thing. I'm like filling out those forms for any therapy or doctor. I'm like. All these words, I never would have known how to spell that I'm putting all these things down that they are and the medications that they're on. It is such a completely different world. I'm so glad like your book talks about this and just you really do have to calm the heck down because you cannot control things. And I thought I did for so many years, did a pretty good job of controlling things. And to get to the point where like, are you serious? They need eye vision therapy, like their eyes don't track. And my daughter, we just had her at the children's hospital and she's 17 and the doctor's like, she needs physical therapy therapy she has osteoporosis because of these other other meds i'm like i cannot add another therapy to How my much? life. we're already like yeah. 15 hours a week maybe more maybe 20 of therapies i'm like i do not have more time for more therapy so you never even realize like this has entered a whole nother world which is what you've experienced too where you, there's so little control. Like if we don't calm down, I don't even know like how we could survive one day, let alone raise these kids to adulthood. That's right. Yeah. I, you know, and for me,
2: I I always joke, I, I did not write a book called Stay Calm. Like some people are just wired to be calm. I am not wired that way, Trisha. Like I am naturally a like... I don't know, like I started at 11, you know, like I, I don't <laughs> even, I am not a calm person. I, I rarely start from a place of calm, so I have to work at it. So my book is definitely like everything I've learned about how to calm the heck down, the tactics that we need. Um, and really, I can, I can trace it. Uh, I can, I can trace my calm down journey to really like five moments that, and I talk about them at the beginning of the book. There were five moments for me, um, as i was kind of entering the parenting world that that kind of taught me that i have got to figure out how to calm the heck down
1: yeah so share those cuz yeah. i want i want the i, I read them but i want the <laughs> yeah listener to hear them <laughs> yeah. so and
2: and maybe some i think you know no matter whether you you have birthed your children whether you have special needs children whether you have typical children whether you've adopted children i think a lot of us can can pinpoint moments in our parenting where we're mm-hmm. like we have got to figure out how to how to st- how to calm down because we're not going to make it if we don't. So for me, moment one was um, I realized my stress affected my child, and that was when I was pregnant. I've only had i I joke I've I've had two thirds of a pregnancy because I had to deliver Elliot really early because uh, I had yeah. preeclampsia. But but in my two thirds of a pregnancy, I was so freaked out after all of our years of infertility. I was like so stressed out the whole time, reading way too many books and articles, and talking to way too many people, and just trying to be like the most perfect mom ever. And about Halfway through, I got so stressed out one day and I was sobbing because I was so afraid I was going to screw him up that, like, I felt my uterus start cramping Mm -hmm. because. I was so stressed out and I realized that my stress level affected my physical body and an Elliot inside of me. So, so I realized my stress affected my child and it still does today. My teenagers, if yeah. I'm stressed out, they will get stressed out. Like the, whatever my emotions are doing, it affects them. Um, yeah. and so that was moment number one. And then moment number two was that I couldn't control what happened to my child. A, a couple years into our adoption process with Evie, um, our youngest, we got some really hard news about the process and. And we were we were seriously looking at maybe never being able to bring her home, um, and her being stuck in red tape. My my friend started praying that God would part the the red sea, the red tape seas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, um, and so I remember sitting at a, a red light at my in my minivan in in our town and just feeling the full weight of the lack of control that I had in her life and my ability to do anything about it in that moment roll over me like a wave. And since then, I have had other moments like that, you know, even as my mm-hmm. kids are all in my home under my roof right now, I have had those moments where like, I cannot control what happens to my child in this particular situation. And it can be terrifying. Um, and then moment three, I didn't know how much time we had together. Uh, when we were in the process of of getting to know our now oldest daughter, Anna. She visited us for a summer, and we fell utterly in love with her, and we got to spend all this time with her all summer. Um, Everyone just got along. It was just... It felt like our family was complete for the first time. But then at the end of that, I had to put her on a plane and send her back mm. to Europe. And I did not know if I would ever see her again. Like I had no idea what was going to happen with that. And that was, I mean, I was like smiling and waving. And then the second she crossed through airport security and and went away, I fell apart. Because I realized I did not know how much time we get to have with our kids. Yeah. And we, I didn't yeah. know how it was going to turn out. Um, and that's true. I mean, I don't want to be like... Sad and depressing, but none of us really know, you know? And right. and so that can that can easily incapacitate us as parents if we don't learn how to calm down about it. Um, you know, every time you send them out the door to go to school or to go to a sleepover or a friend's house, or you know, anytime you send them out the door, you could easily fall apart if you let that kind of thing overwhelm you, which which I have done. I've totally been
1: guilty of. Um and, okay, this is funny, I'm just gonna add this in before you jump into yeah, four. Yeah. So my my oldest son went on his honeymoon and we didn't hear from them for like two days. And I'm like, hey. I just want to check on you. Like, are you guys alive? Because they were driving, and he's like, "Mom, I'm on my honeymoon. Do not call me." And I'm like, "But you don't know. Like, at least like text me and say you're alive." He's like, "Bye, mom." Yeah. <laughs> so bye. Like, even when they're adults, you feel like, "Oh my goodness, I want to control. I don't know what's happening, or you know, right. you Can't. Oh. Like, can't. Yeah, that is hard. You know, it's funny because. I think about our childhood too. Like we did not
2: always talk to our parents that often. Like I I never talked to my parents on my honeymoon and I even went to, to Europe for the summer in college. And I called my mom two times on like a landline with a major delay. Cause that was before cell phones. It was before we could email. It was, it was like, I'm old. It was before (laughs) all of that. (laughs) And, um, and there was no, just like email. You, You didn't have a cell phone with like an international plan. And so there were like two times that I called and I said hello to her for like five minutes, you know? And that's all she got all summer. But now we're so used to having constant contact mm-hmm. with our kids and always knowing exactly where they are. I mean, I have my teenagers practically lojacked with their cell phones. Like I can just look at them on a map and be like, oh, where are they now? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So moment four for me in my process of calming down is um, I, parenting looked different than I planned. And I mentioned la- label palooza. And that yeah. was when, you know, I, I thought I knew what parenting was going to look like. And then uh, just discovering that my kids were unique and had different gifts and different challenges than I could have ever imagined. And so that um, my parenting journey with them was going to look totally different than I thought of. And so that, that was a process I had to figure out. I'm still having to figure out sometimes how to, how to calm down about that. Um, And then moment five was actually um, kind of a realization I had. Um, I'm sure you you get to do this all the time, too. You know, you get to go and speak at mom's groups around the country and um, get to interact yep. with awesome moms. Um, and I love doing that, especially now that my kids are older. It's so fun to like get to show up in a mom's group where people have like babies in their arms and there's a nursery. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it feels like yesterday and also like a million years ago. <laughs> and, um, and, and so I remember sitting at a table at one of those moms group getting ready to speak and I was drinking coffee and eating breakfast with the moms at the table and just chit chatting. And I just said a, a couple of random things about my kids. And one of the moms was like, oh my gosh, you're so wise. I'm writing this down. And it was like, like a wake up call where I went, wait, do I like mm. know stuff now? Have I, have I, I mean, did I learn something along this very long journey of motherhood like, I have learned how to calm the heck down a little bit. I, I have learned skills. And, you know, just when I think I've got it down, I, you know, we encounter a whole new life stage and a whole new set of challenges to figure out, like, for instance, a global pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's been a whole new fun thing to figure out this year. Um, but anyway, those five moments are kind of where I traced this, this need that I had to figure out how to calm the heck down. And, and then, from there, I, I just kind of go
1: subject by subject on, well, how do we figure this out? Yeah. And I love that you'd cover so many subjects. Um, and, but really I think all of it goes to our expectations. Like, you know, you talk about, um, the, when armpits awaken, that is hilarious. Lighten up about big kids, like your, your titles, crack me up. But you, know, you talk about eat, sleep, poop, repeat, like body functions, feelings, a behavior, um, you know, words, friends, all these different topics. But really, I mean, and this is in the beginning of your book too, it's all, they all start with our expectations. Mm-hmm. Like we have these complete expectations of what life's going to be like, how our kids are going to act or react to certain things. And then it doesn't happen. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes like our biggest enemy is our own mind and our own thoughts of like, this is how things are going to be. And I remember just being so stressed when we adopted all these kids and the house was a disaster. And I'm like stressed all the time. And my husband's like, did you really think the house would be clean? And I was like, actually, I guess I did because this is really stressing me out. But it all went back to me thinking that we could adopt all these kids from hard places and life would kind of be the same just with more bodies to feed Mm -hmm. or things to do. And it was so different. And so let's talk first before we jump into these topics, just about our expectations or your expectations and how they changed. Yeah.
2: Well, I definitely felt like I had to mourn my expectations for how parenting was going to look. Like, I had to mourn my unicorn kids. They didn't even ever exist, Trisha. Like, they were not real children in my brain. They were just after years of infertility. I had these (laughs) unicorn kids of what life is going to look like in my head. And I realized that I had to mourn those fake children in order to free me up to love my actual kids and their uniqueness. Um, and, And so, by mourning the expectations that I had, I'm not in any way taking away from the wonderful kids I have. I'm, I'm literally, right. just, I, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to the idea of what I thought parenting was going to look like. And that has been really, really integral in my ability to learn how to parent the kids I actually have and to embrace who they are. And, um, you know, in some ways we have some things in common that we can identify with. And then in other ways we are so different. And so it's learning how to like appreciate the differences. I have three very different kids and I'm, I'm very different from them. And so just figuring out what that looks like is, has been, um, both challenging and rewarding. And so I, I think we're just going to be on that journey forever. I, um, I have OCD and I'm like extremely uh, obsessive compulsive about a lot of things. And then I have some kiddos with ADHD and it is an interesting mm-hmm. combination. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> And so, so sometimes I would catch myself being so, so frustrated with my ADHD kid. And then I'm like, okay, what must I be like for this kid? Like Mm -hmm. me with my OCD and I'm constantly just like obsessing over all of this crazy stuff. And I have these compulsive behaviors and that must, it's like the opposite of what they're going through and how difficult that must be for them to be parented by me. And so. So I'm like, they probably have to mourn their expectations for what mom was going to look like, too.
1: Oh yeah. And my, my <laughs> kids have told me that. Like they said, Oh, we just thought you would be so nice all the time and I'm like, No, you're gonna sit down and do your homework and we're gonna do chores and they're yeah. like, Wait, this isn't because you know my kids and I'm sure your older adopted daughter too, like you're they're dreaming of parents and what these parents are gonna look like. Oh and my gosh, what she, the home life is gonna be look like
2: and it's, uh, yeah, then well, wake up call. Totally when that honeymoon period ended, she was like, When can I go back? I'm done here. Yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so yeah it's it 's a process it 's definitely it 's been a process of learning learning how to live with each other learning how to love each other learning how to um, be family i mean and that takes time it takes work.
1: Yeah, and so at the end of the first chapter, you have ten ways to stay calm-ish, and I mm-hmm. want to do a couple of these things. Okay. So the first one is perfect: laugh at yourself regularly, um, and then cultivate a healthy sense of humor. And I had no sense of humor even when John and I started dating. Like my family wasn't really a humorous family; we were just kind of serious all the time. It was my mom and my stepdad, and actually not a very healthy environment. Mm-hmm. But John would joke around, and I like glare at him, thinking he's serious. He's like, "I'm joking, mm-hmm. I'm joking," and you know, I, so I felt I learned a lot. Up as a mom, but really, when you're adding in all these kids, I've had to lighten up and laugh at myself a lot because either I mean, you can't control it anyway, so you either laugh at the situation mm-hmm. or like go crazy. Yes, yeah, I, um, and
2: specifically when my daughters have hit like the 10 to 12 range, mm-hmm. I really have to learn to laugh because. Things can get really intense. Something about a tween girl. I like I I don't know if it's that way for everybody, but for me, that age, like
1: that is a challenge. And I'm so- telling you I know people we've had how many except so we have 10 kids and we've I've, this is my one is my birthday my girl's birthday today she just turned 13 so I've had seven girls going through puberty in my, my life gosh. and I'm telling I tell everyone like 12 year old girls are the hardest in age and species in the world like yes, hormones and emotions and sassy and disrespectful and it's yeah. been every 12 year old girl that I've had so See, there might be some <laughs> magical 12 year old girl out there but I'm telling you when they turn 12, it's like yes, this thing that that's really. I'm glad to hear you say that because that I
2: put that in the book actually. Like that that my twelve like at twelve I was. Mm, I didn't know if we were going to make it, but then like we round, we go past that hump and everything. It's great. Like my, my oldest is just, I, I so enjoy her. I like her. She's great. And I remember when I was 12 too, and I was horrible when I was 12. Like, and, and when she hit 12, I found myself calling my mom more often and apologizing. Like I am (laughs) so sorry. I I see it from your perspective now. And I thought that I was so wise and amazing. And actually I was the most annoying person on. On the planet
1: <laughs> yeah yeah my daughter who's 28 now I think about it 28 and a mom she's like mom I just thought I knew it all I'm like I know you did. yeah she'll even she'll tell me yeah but and it's so funny now because we she lives in Europe and we video call every almost every single day and my husband's like did you ever think when she was 12 that someday she'd be like your best friend and I'm like no no like, I no definitely not, not. That at the time at all yeah yeah, it's,
2: it is amazing. And like, if so, yeah, mothers of tween girls, hang in there. <laughs> it gets better. It gets so much better. Yeah, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So I, so I think our expectations of what parenting is going to look like, you know, I think that's true of, of, of how we attack school as well. Um, I have a whole chapter about school in the book mm-hmm. and the way that I did school was very different than the way my kids are doing school. Not just because we're in the middle of a global pandemic and everything is weird right now, but just in general, like my kids. View View of school and what they like what they don't like how how they attack it is so different than the way I did uh, and so I I was trying to hold my kids to a certain standard and we were basically just fighting nonstop. And so mm-hmm. I had to let go of those expectations. I had to figure out how to go, well, how do you do school? And it's going to look different than the way I did school and that's okay. So, um, yeah. And yeah. I
1: remember telling my husband, we were just talking the other day, I'm like, I remember like getting home and doing my homework. Like I was on top of my stuff like, all the time, but I also didn't have social media. And i didn't right. have like, I, like, we were home. Like the kids were at their different houses. Is doing their homework instead of always interacting. I think there's so many. Um, you talk about distractions and disturbances and yeah, all yeah. the stuff that they're facing now. That is so true. Mm-hmm. And then they know everything that's happening in the world. Like I just, I think, you know, we did have the milk carton kids and like yep. news was on at six. <laughs> like there's some things we are aware of, but I think it is such a different world. So much going on. So much stress and pressure. And then we're telling them not sit down and concentrate and do this work like yeah. I think it, it's so true I love how you talk about that like it is such a different world than when we were there and our kids have you know totally I mean homework everything is so different mm-hmm. than before in interactions with teacher and I love like you talk about like um, positive feedback which you talk about that like, numerous times in the book and I'm like starring this section because I think so many times it's so easy to say you should do it this way or do it that way but Like the therapist told me just yesterday when I was talking about one of my kids, she's like, find the one thing to praise her about. I'm like, okay, this is kind of hard. And it's that positive feedback. So let's talk about that um, just with kids and with interacting with teachers. I mean, all the things we do have to learn how to calm down and to find the positive.
2: Yes, finding the positive is huge and and for certain of my children at various stages of their development it has been challenging and I really had to go out of my way to figure out what is something I could say that's nice right now because I have like 20 things that are critical that I could that are locked and loaded and criticism is super easy for me, that's like my go-to <laughs> and so having to rewire my tongue to come out with something positive um, I, I will say one thing that actually is helpful for me with the older kids has been self phones because I can text them something positive, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, if, yeah, like that is actually, you know, cell phones are a blessing and a curse, but that is one of the blessings, um, is that when I am feeling really critical, like I can be in another room and I can like delete the critical thing and go, what am I going to say instead? That's positive. Like, Hey, I really loved how you did this today. Or I saw how you were trying really hard here. Or, you know, even, I mean, when, when one of my kids was really going through a difficult time, like I remember praising them because I saw that they were going to say something really snippy to me, but I could tell that they chose to swallow that and not be disrespectful. And I was like, I saw what you did there and that was awesome. Really good (laughs) self-control. So sometimes it's even just like if they avoid the negative go-to behavior, that can be a positive thing.
1: Yeah, and it's so true like – the, the things that you think okay there's i love how you said there's like a dozen things that i could really say here mm. but sometimes you do have to search and then when they get that little positive feedback mm. my one daughter that i mentioned that was was the hardest it's now the e- easiest it started with me just praising her mm. like oh my gosh you're so responsible i could really see you're maturing because you picked up your socks when you left the room like mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and then you can like she just she loves positive feedback and she just glows and the more I did it like now she truly is such an easy kid I'm like not you know, holding my breath that this is going to last forever. But at the moment, it, and it all started with that positive feedback, me finding those things and her re- realizing like, oh, I really like this. And her doing more and more to get that positive and me giving it more has just made a really good cycle that we're in at this moment. Yes. Yeah. It,
2: positive feedback has been huge for us. The other thing that has been helpful is working on one thing at a time. And I, mm-hmm. I talk about that in the book. Um, I have a whole chapter on behavior. And, um, you know, sometimes for kiddos, we want to like launch a whole bunch of different things at them at one time and it's overwhelming and especially if they have a hard time sequencing or they can't hold all of that in their brain at one time it can just feel really negative so if I just focus on one thing at a time that they can work on and everything else can be positive or I let everything else go so one of the ones that we've worked on for a long time is obey the first time and so Mm -hmm. like with a kid who just does not want to wants to argue constantly wants to have has a comeback all the time doesn't want to do what I say just if I just keep working on obey the first time and that's the only thing we're working on and I'm going to let everything else go right now because that's it that's the one that's the most important to me in the moment Um, and so that's been really helpful too to keep them from feeling overwhelmed and dejected and discouraged
1: yeah I love that and it's so true because I remember when our four girls first moved in, I had a list like, this is our chore time. This is our reading time. This is how we're keeping our rooms. Cause I'm thinking I need to be t- on top of this game. we having these kids here. <laughs> they were so overwhelmed that it was like total chaos and total meltdown all the time. And that's what we ended up coming back to. list. Okay, What's the one thing we need to focus on? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and just go from there. And I think I can imagine like if someone just came to me with this list, like I want you to change all these things about you today. I mean, how overwhelming would that be? <laughs> but still, we do that with our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And we talk a lot about conversation and two and like our words and their words. But one of my favorite things I will have to say, because it made me laugh so hard and I'm totally going to start doing this is the 20 questions to ask at dinner. Besides, how was your day? Because literally last you know, last night, probably like two nights ago, I'm like, how was your day? Because my older girls were doing virtual classes and they're like, oh, it was so dumb. I'm like, can you think of something fun or positive? And it just the conversation did not go well. I'm like, look at these questions. Melanie's already, like, <laughs> listen to me. This is cracking. Camp. did anything smell bad today hmm. um, that like did anyone say something funny what made you laugh did anything weird happen I'm gonna start with that question yeah because I think that will get them talking because when I'm just like how was your day or what did you do they're like uh <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then I'm like come on you can come up with something and you know it doesn't go well so I love that like we can plan ahead and realize like we could have fun with this. Yeah. Like we don't have to be like, what's your homework tonight? And what did your teacher say? I love that. Like what surprised you? What stressed you out? You know, all these different things are ways to like enter into the conversation that's fun for them, mm-hmm. not feeling like they're being grilled all the time. Mm-hmm.
2: It's challenging. I I think family dinner is so important and and I've always been like, yay, family dinner. We have to do family dinner. But even as my kids are getting older, it's getting harder and harder to get us around the dinner table, you yeah. know, because there's different practices and my daughter works and we've just got a lot. Of, and so when I when I actually am able to get everyone everyone around the dinner table, I do feel that pressure. They're like, now we have to have an amazing conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, shoot. And so I really do... Um, I'm, I'm trying to, again, let those expectations go and like, okay, if we can, if we can have a conversation involving like one or two questions, like, like if I can just come prepared with a question or two that we have a conversation about, then we're going to call that a win. And that has been helpful. Um, yeah. And they, they generally will not just talk about their days. So I do feel like I have to bring my A game with questions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I love that they're fun questions, too, yeah. that it's like they're having fun at the table, not feeling like, oh, my gosh, here we go again with the questions. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm my Because, you know, we don't let phones at the dinner table. So right. it's kind of like, i show this really quick. But then if they do have something fun to share, then we do stay longer and we have fun and we're all laughing and talking. So that is a benefit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Okay, the, the last thing I want to talk about, because this is so, so good, is about faith. Um, and then one of your lists says 10 ways to give um, your kids a faith of their own. And the first one is... Make sure they know it's okay to have doubts and questions are good, tension is fine. And again, I just had this conversation with my twenty-eight-year-old. She's like, Mom, I just felt like you and Dad, you always knew the right way, and this is how things were, and this is what the Bible says. And my Sunday school teacher, you know, well, it's this way. And anytime I had questions or doubts, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And now she's in seminary and she's reading stuff that's like expanding her ideas and look helping her look at things in different ways. And we're having awesome conversations, but I think so many times. Sometimes we think, oh my gosh, if they have any questions, like they're going to not believe in God and we're going to ruin them for life or, you know, <laughs> any of those things. So I would love for you to just talk about just some of these ways that we can help kids grow their faith without making them feel like you have to just do things exactly this way or you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I mean, this this thing is huge for us. I
2: feel like I've been going through a bit of a, a spiritual midlife crisis the last few <laughs> years. Um, crisis might be the wrong word, but, but I feel like I've been thinking through things that I've grown up with and I've been trying to separate out what are just cultural norms I've grown up with and what is my actual faith in God. And I feel like it's almost like when you strip wallpaper and you try not to damage the drywall underneath. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that is that's how I would describe my my process over the last few years of figuring that out. So I, I was raised in a very black and white faith, like Mm -hmm. very black and white, very black and white behaviors associated with your very black and white viewpoints. And so as I've gotten older, I've gotten more comfortable with gray or just with the unknown and that I don't have to explain everything. And I really resonate with the dad from Mark nine now as the, as the, the person who is maybe my, my spiritual, my spiritual giant or, or representative. He's the one that says, I believe help me in my own belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that is definitely how I have been with my own faith. And so now raising kids in the middle of all that and trying to figure out how to instill in them some kind of faith that's their own has been kind of a, a challenge. Cause I don't feel like I can do it the same way it was done for me because I'm just, I, I don't feel that black and white these days. Um, and so th- we have had to be really comfortable with a lot of questions in our house. Um, I, I have one of my kids who um, has said that they are kind of in an agnostic place right now, and which immediately made me want to freak out completely. You know, I'm a Christian, right. and I kind of just assumed I'd raid my kids to be Christians. And so it kind of automatically made me freak out a little bit, but um, – but, we have gotten to where we just now we have just very open conversations about why we believe what we believe. And, um, and it's, I think it, it's been challenging and a little bit scary as a, someone who is a lifelong Christian, but I think ultimately it's going to mean that this kid and all of my kids are going to have a faith of their own. And, yeah. and so we're wrestling with these conversations and, um, and so, I've I've realized through that I cannot force my children to have the same beliefs that I have. I cannot force a faith on my kids, nor would I want to. Um, I want them to to grow up and feel like they can wrestle and they can ask questions. So, so I definitely have things built into the fabric of our family that has given our family a structure. And and I've said like very clearly, we are Christians. Um, we cannot force you to come to the same conclusion that Jesus is your Lord, but um, but we I, what I expect is that you respect our beliefs and we're we are gonna go to church as a family we are gonna pray as a family um, I'm going to give you a set of tools that have helped me grow in my faith and so um, whether you choose to use the tools that is between you and God like I cannot force you to have honest conversations with God I cannot force you to do anything that I do but here are some of the ways that that I have grown in my faith that I feel like are tools that I can use um, and so that's been really Really good. Um, you know, I grew up with a dad who every morning I would come downstairs for school, and he would just be at the breakfast table with his Bible, underlining things. He's he's a he's a perfectionist, and he would use a ruler to underline. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is not me. My Bible is very messy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but I would just see him, and he never like he never shoved that down my throat. He was never lecturing me out of the Bible. But it was just something I remember every morning. I would I would come downstairs, and I would see him having his private. Time with God at our breakfast table, and so it's something that I'm hoping my kids will see that's important in my life. That they'll see me with my devotional, or they'll see me in the Bible, or that they see me praying over them, or talking with them about faith, trying to answer their questions, or at least give them the resources they need to figure them out themselves. Um, and so that's kind of where we are. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit of a looser structure than what I grew up with, but I I'm hopeful that uh, it's it's open and that they know that like there's a there's an ongoing dialogue that that will last their whole lives <laughs>
1: yeah and I love how you talked about like giving them the tools, um even if it seems like they don't want they don't want it or they don't want to <laughs> do it or deal with it and they, it helped me so much when I first started leading teen mom support groups. we would do devotions and it seemed like the girls were not paying attention they they were all you know teenagers, they had their babies on their laps and you know we're talking about God and reading scriptures and they're like talking with each other and it's like these this is a waste of time until years later I'd mm-hmm. get like message from them or like remember when you said this and this and i'm like oh my gosh you were listening oh my gosh you know even when we brought our older kids home and they'd grown up you know in different places first with their biological parents lots of foster homes uh, christian children's homes so they gotten a lot of different things and when we did like our homeschool morning devotions i'm like they didn't want to listen i'm like Mm -hmm. you just have to or you put your head down um don't plug your ears but you, you right. don't have to en- you don't have to engage with me we are doing this i'm reading this those who want to read can read um we're gonna write in our scripture journals if you have a prayer request write it in your journal mm-hmm. and there would be weeks and weeks when they would just have their heads down and it was like okay like i'm doing what i know to do you can't force anyone you can want to change your thoughts but i've seen change I've seen growth and I've seen those remember when you said this or where's that story about this or mm-hmm. you know what- and we're like oh my goodness you were reading about this in revelation last year <laughs> like they would i'm like yeah see they were paying attention and so mm-hmm. a lot of that is like i'm not going to force you to pray out loud if you don't want to you, know, you could just say pass um if we're going around or i'm not going to force you to write out this scripture but you have to be in the room and you know you have to not plug your ears <laughs> and that sometimes is enough and i think That is so encouraging to me to see, like over the years, those seeds are planted, even if they don't want them at the time. We never know what God is going to do with that as they grow older.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I, I like to pray for my kids when they're in the car cause it, they can't go anywhere. They can't, unless they fling themselves out of a moving vehicle, they're going to just have to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so car time prayer has been, that's been good. I, we used to do like the before the bedtime, you know, prayer and we would read a Bible story. Like we did all of that when the kids were little, but as they got older and they got more resistant to any of that, mm-hmm. like I've learned it, it's pointless to force myself into their room and, yeah. and spend all this time at bed time when they are like not into it at all. So, so I look for other times to, to be able to talk with them about faith. And I do so much driving them around right now that the car time stuff has been especially helpful. I think, um, just for either, and even just asking them, do you have a prayer request? Do you have anything I can pray for, for you right now? And a lot of times they will. And so that's just been a really good time to be able to talk. Um, you know, the other thing that I think has been really important for our family is, uh, that they see that their faith matters in the world that we're not just giving lip (laughs) service to this. And so we have really made a point to serve as a family. Like, I don't want my faith. I don't want my belief system to just be like a bunch of words that I say, or that it doesn't matter to people who are hurting in the world. Otherwise, what is the point? Um, and so we have gone and we've sorted clothes at our local foster care center that gives, um, that equips families, uh, with kids in foster care for, you know, the, the clothes they need, the toiletries they need. So we, donated that. We've sorted clothes for them. Um, we've we've had fun workday sessions there. We've uh, done stuff at our local food bank, just preparing food to go out to um, places who need it, like you know after hurricane and um, um, places that are uh, needing food. So we've donned hairnets together for that. Um, you know, just looking for ways that we can get our kids serving others, so that they they learn the world is not just about themselves, and yeah. um, and that their faith. Is more than just praying and being, you know, being one-on-one with God, but if their faith isn't put into action, then they're missing a major component of it. And so that's, that's, I want, I want them to see that my faith means I get my hands dirty. I help people out. I, um, I'm willing to put in the work, you know, whether it's take meals to friends who need it or help out someone in the community. Um, I just, I, I think that's an important component as well that we're hoping we're passing on to our kids
1: yeah and I think I love all those ideas and I think sometimes if we just ask them like how do you think we could help someone like right Mm -hmm. when the pandemic started the schools closed down everyone like our our, our kids sports shut down and so everyone was just feeling so down Mm -hmm. and I was like I bet everyone in our neighborhood is like really feeling the same way what should we do and they're like let's bake cookies and so we did we bake cookies we do a well ditch them and sent them around put a little note on there and you know months later we'll be walking people like thank you for those cookies two months ago you know it's just like when we ask our kids, they often have good ideas and a couple of years ago one of my daughters says you know what there's that lady that, that goes to our church and she lived in our neighborhood probably like five blocks over and my, my daughter says she's a single mom I bet there's times like she would like us to have her son over so she could just have some time and we started that conversation and they, that family became so close to us and we mm-hmm. did like she had to go away for a work trip you know he would come and stay the night for a couple of days and it, it was a blessing to her to have that resource but also a blessing for our family to see like oh look Oh, good. You know, we could help in this way. Um, And it was my daughter's idea. Like she's the one that saw it and encouraged it. And I think even as they grow, um, I, I always say that sometimes they'll even point out things or get us to recognize things in a, a way that we never experienced like my daughter she went to a state university and there's a lot of international students and she just started bringing them home and mm. they would have dinner with us and I'm like I never would have thought like to sit down and have a conversation with someone uh college age from Saudi Arabia like it was That's not cool. in my realm of thinking and then she was able to open my eyes to that and so it is like giving them that chance to like, hey, what if we did this? Or you know, ask them like, what do you think we should do to serve our neighbor mm-hmm. um, or help someone? And they often come up with some really great ideas.
2: That's great. Oh, that's great. You know, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll end with when it comes to comes to faith and really just when it comes to calming the heck down in general that I talk about in my book and I, I had a group of beta testers actually read my book ahead of time and like use their kids like guinea pigs and try out some of the stuff <laughs> <I love that. laughs> so, so they've been coming on my podcast and um, and uh, talking about their experience and that's been fun and one of the things that, that many of them have mentioned that was helpful from the book is my idea of palms up parenting and mm. uh, and this is a prayer that I pray all the time and I started when the kids were little and I've continued as, as my kids are older now but but palms Up Parenting is just when I feel like I'm freaking out about something and I'm worried about what's going to happen with the kids um, When I feel like I can't control something and I catch my fist kind of balling up, you know, yeah. I will just stretch out my hand. So the palms are up and I take a deep breath and let it out and I just breathe, God, they're yours. Um, and and my prayers have gotten very simple. The older my kids get and the older I get, the simpler my prayers are. And so just a simple three word prayer of God, they're yours is really what I can muster in in a lot of the situations um, and that, I mean from from when they were tiny 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 and I was worried about them you know catching a cold all the way to now when they're big and old and we're having all kinds of things crop up that feel so monumental I just I, I do palms up parenting and take a deep breath and let it out and say God they're yours and just ultimately um, my faith personally has been a way that I have been able to calm the heck down of feeling like I don't have to be in control of everything and that has been a uh such a gift for me
1: I think that's a perfect way to end it. And I, I, I so true. We do get our little fists are all pulled up like, ah, this yeah. is so stressful. And I love that. Just opening up, lifting it up and like, they're yours. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God they're yours. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's so good. All right. So, Melanie, um, the book, the title is Calm the Heck Down, How to Let Go and Lighten Up About Parenting. Where can people go for more information? And, and mention your podcast, too, because your podcast is super fun. Oh, thanks. Um, melaniedale.com is, is we'll
2: get get you to my website. And right now, um, all the way up until when the book launches, I'm giving away a free ebook called Pandemic Parenting, uh, How to Calm Down When the World's Messed Up. And the only way to get it is if you pre-order Calm the Heck Down anywhere books are sold. Uh, There is a form on my website at melaniedale.com where you can enter the receipt, a copy of the receipt, and I will send you immediately. You don't have to wait till December 8th when it comes out. You, You can immediately get Pandemic Parenting. And it's just, you know, over the last few months of all of us living through this weird yeah. coronavirus time, I have just pulled together some funny stories and a few calm down strategies that that have seemed appropriate that I've had to figure out um, to do with my kids over the last few months um, and to just get myself to be a little bit calmer in the middle of all this crazy stuff. Um, and so Pandemic Parenting is available now, um, melaniedale.com, and it's free when you pre-order Calm the Heck Down. And then my my podcast is lighten up with melanie dale and it's available you you can find it on the website it's available on spotify and stitcher and itunes and all of that and um and i'm in the middle of a series right now called lighten up about parenting so and i'm, I'm interviewing these beta testers and some authors who've written parenting books and that's been really fun to put together
1: oh perfect yeah i love listening to your podcast it's Aww. super fun and your Instagram is always fun too melanie
2: ardale and- there's an r in that instagram because someone already had my name so oh, dear <laughs> they. R. Dale. it sounds like melanie <laughs> Dale? Like, could there be a more Melanie or Dale? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome. And we'll, we will make sure and have all the links on that awesome. podcast. Thanks, sure, Thank you, Melanie, for being here. Oh, so great to talk to you. Okay. Isn't Melanie great? I am still chuckling because she is so fun. But she's wise too, witty and wise. Okay, here are some things that really struck me about this. First of all, to mourn our unicorn kids. And I'm pondering that because I did have expectations of what things would be like after we adopted, especially older kids that suddenly, like, oh my goodness, you're such an amazing cook and you do so much for me. And this is exactly what I've dreamed of. Well, I've gotten that a couple of times, maybe when my kids have wanted something, but so many times I'm so discouraged because I just want to say, do you know what I'm sacrificing? Do you know what I'm giving up? You have my office as your bedroom. I mean, all these things in my mind and I realized like... I had expectations of what I expected my adopted kids to be like and how I expected them to just be so thankful, which now that I'm saying this is really pride. Oh my goodness. Like this is why I love Melanie. Cause it's like, Oh my goodness. That's so funny. Oh, I need to really think about that. <laughs> and, uh, also, uh, that maybe they had different expectations of what they expected me to be like or home to be like when they were finally adopted. Like I said, this has given me so much to think about. Also, one tip that I super love, and I have to remind myself to do this again and again, is how Melanie said, when you feel like getting on your kids, just text them something encouraging And I, when I remember to do that, which I just need to put a reminder on my phone, I think, to text my kids and tell them how much I appreciate them or, and these are my older kids, which I tend to struggle with the most because all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, you're almost 18. We need to like fix all this stuff. And I tend to be more critical and I need to help you with this. And we need to do this because I'm like, this is a ticking thing that they're nearing 18 and so much needs to change. I need to remember to calm the heck down. (laughs) Like Melanie says, I realize like I can do what I can do and that will be enough that I can be encouraging and not always critical. So I think I am uh, going to put a timer on my phone to remind me to text my older kids, my younger kids, they don't have cell phones and I tend to be more relaxed with them. So this has been so, so good for me. Um, And expectations, when Melanie talked about that too, the expectations that we have on ourselves and our kids, that uh, that really brings so much stress when it doesn't need to be there. So as you can see, I got so much after talking to Melanie. She's a huge blessing in my life. Whenever I want to just be encouraged, I just go listen to her podcast or go to her Instagram page, which she always has something fun or funny there. So I loved talking with her today. All right, so today's Walk It Out verse is, and she does mention the scripture in her book, um, it's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. So it's actually Walk It Out verses this week. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and I just love this that you know we work so much and we struggle and we have mom guilt and we struggle with getting everything done and we realize like Jesus wants to be there for us he wants us to turn to him he wants us to be um content instead of always having these expectations and striving and Jesus is gentle and humble in heart and again this makes me think so much of how I need to be acting with my kids gentle and humble to calm the heck down to not be so overwhelmed and stress on things to appreciate my kids uh, uniqueness to let go of my expectations um, to really see how often my friends see my kids about the amazing things that they do and say and not be so overwhelmed and stressed out. Jesus said again, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think we make it harder and the burden heavier than Jesus had Plant and so, really, just come to me, all you who are b- weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus said. So, let me just pray for you today. I'm praying for myself in here too. So, first of all, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Melanie. I thank you for her wonderful um, balance of witty and wise. How so she can make me laugh one moment and then have this truth that is like, oh my goodness, that is exactly what I needed to hear. I pray that this book will do well. That Many people will get it and be encouraged and be helped and be inspired um, and that many families will have more witty and fun and enjoyment and not all the stress that we often have because we are so overwhelmed. Lord, I pray that you'll bless her. I pray for every listener out there. Many like me might just take everything a little too seriously and be so um, just fixated on getting our kids right and parenting right and getting them to act right and do the right things, Lord, I pray that we will turn to you um, when we feel burdened, when we feel the heaviness of um, what is required on us of parents, when we get worried about our kids turning out right, when we see these Um, Maybe character traits that we are worried about, Lord, I pray that you will help us to calm down, (laughs) to turn to you, um, and to find rest for our souls in the middle of just these burdens that we often put on ourselves, Lord. Um, I pray for myself and for every listener there that you'll help us to calm down, take a deep breath, turn to you, and then to also celebrate the wonderful things in our kids and our families. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, I encourage you. Um, again, the book is Calm the Heck Down by Melanie Dale. Really, this would be a perfect read over the Christmas holidays or as you start the new year. I am keeping this by my bed and again, going through a lot of it just to remember, just to be reminded to calm down. I think, especially with the hard year that we've had, sometimes things can be so overwhelming and we kind of get, let that get. Um, into our hearts and we do feel the burdens so encourage you to pick up Melanie's book also um, if you go to walkitoutpodcast.com and you look for Melanie's graphic and click on it there's also links to everything that we mentioned and um her podcast is super fun and she's going through a new series where she's going to be talking about the book um calm the heck down the first one is with her husband so i think you'll be encouraged by that but if you have a friend that maybe is feeling overwhelmed and stressed and this year especially with kids has not turned out just let them know about this episode with melanie and then all the other episodes Um, on my podcast. So it's walkitoutpodcast.com. You can go to iTunes. I would love for you to leave a review, give us some stars, because really, that is how people find it. Also, um, Christmas is nearing. And if you need some last minute gifts, be sure to check out my shop. So if you just go to and um, which we're also walk it up podcast there, you'll find my shop there, my blog there. And if you click on shop, um, there's wonderful fiction and nonfiction and parenting books. I have some new art cards, some greeting cards that I have created that they're up there. You can buy some Um, greeting card packets, which would make wonderful gifts. I know my grandma still loves writing letters. I've had friends that have um, purchased these because it's really hard to find blank cards that they could just send to friends and say, I'm thinking of you or a a different occasion where we might not want to go to the store. You could just pull out one of these cards. Again, that's all in my shop. And if you um, go there, we will work really, really hard to get it to you in time to give to your friends and family for Christmas or you can even put their address and we we will um, include a note that it's a gift from you. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I hope you were encouraged.
0: Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.